everyone. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name's Russ McCumber. I am one of the hosts of this show. I've got Gabe Grossman here as well. G'day, Gabe. How you doing, Russ? Really well, thanks, Gabe. I'm excited for today. We have got Lyndon Barnett from Vodafone on today to talk SEO. So um, we'll get to a little introduction to him in a moment. For those that haven't tuned into SEO Success Stories before, firstly, try saying that fast, really, really fast, five times in a row. That's like, it does it does get stuck in your mouth a little bit. But, you know, if, if you've seen or watched this show before and you enjoyed it, jump on, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, anywhere you're listening to it. Uh, Google, please write good stuff about it and share it with all your other SEO nerd friends. This is about as niche as niche podcasts get. It's an SEO podcast about SEO to, with SEO nerds. And Lyndon, thanks so much for joining us today on SEO Success Stories. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's great to be here. And I, I hope that we can um, delve into some exciting SEO topics. Well, I'm going to kick off with a big question that we give every guest when we first start an episode. So we're going to start right from the top. Can you tell me what is the number one challenge that you think SEOs face in 2021? Absolutely. And it's a fantastic question. My, my view is that 2021 is no different to 2020, 2019, or any other year, really. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be something that you go, oh, I really wish I could conquer that. Um, so it's certainly 2021 is certainly no different to any other year. To me, it's the environment. To me, it's the world that we now exist in. So the world has changed forever because of our global pandemic. So as a result of the pandemic, people are connecting more online, people are shopping more online, people are dri uh, driving their retail habits much more online more than ever before. So as a consequence of that, SEO as a, as a discipline is now more dominant than ever. We need to be able to get customers directly to the sites that they're looking for as quickly as possible. And we want to get them purchasing online as quickly as possible because no one has time anymore to sit around going, oh, I could do this or I could jump in the car and I could go and browse in, in, the, in the supermarket or in the shopping centres. Like we literally, we're in lockdown and our behaviours and the consumer behaviours have changed more than ever. So to me, the big challenge is now whatever was on the back burner previously is now mm -hmm. dominant. And now we all need to catch up to go, this is the focus. Digital is the future. Digital is really now where society and culture has now driven us. I love that. SEO, it's more important than ever. How good. So, Lyndon, you're now working at Vodafone with SEO and content, which we're going to get to in a bit about, you know, the, you know, the strong mix there and how your background has kind of led to some successes that you've had in your role. But do you want to maybe just give us a, a bit of a background as to yourself, some of the brands that you've worked with and, and how you got into becoming a world-class SEO? What I've, what I've observed is that no one wakes up one day and goes, oh my God, I'd just love to be an SEO. No one, <laughs> <laughs> no, no one goes to uni and goes, I'm going to spend three years learning how to be an SEO. Like nobody yeah. does that. I think we all just fall into it in yeah. one way, uh, shape or another. The way I fell into it is I didn't come from a developer background. I can't read HTML. Um, I couldn't code in it. I don't have come from that sort of technical SEO background. Mm. The background I come from is in content. So I did journalism at uni. Um, I identified that producing digital content is the future. And I deliberately went, well, how can I market myself and become a digital copywriter? So I've worked at Flight Centre for a couple of years. And then from Flight Center, moved across into Vodafone where I've been for six and a half years. So my start in SEO was literally sitting next to the SEO person at Flight Center for years mm -hmm. and years and years. Yeah. And 
and, and she would say, oh, Lyndon, can you do this for me? Or I need this bit of content, or, or can you do this? So as a result of working as a copywriter at Vodafone, uh, sorry, a copywriter at Flight Centre, and working directly with the SEO um, expert from Flight Centre, I then learned on the job what SEO really meant. Yep. And then I was then able to then translate that and bring that across into Vodafone. That was my start. That's how I got into it. I'd love to know about when you first started writing copy with, you know, that sort of with the SEO at uh, Flight Centre. What, what year was that around about? Oh, uh, 2011, 2012. 2011 to 2012. Is there still anything that sort of rings true in your mind these days when you're writing copy or when you're thinking about SEO from back then that's still consistent today? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. to me, it's all about uh, writing for the customer first and foremost. So yeah. at the end of the day, you can optimize your content using keywords or you can look at the algorithm and go, oh my God, I really need to do that. But at the end of the day, what Google will reward you for is just writing for the customer first and foremost. So don't think about I'm doing this for Google or the robots or the algorithm. Think yeah. about what does the customer want? What's important to the customer? write for the customer first and Google will reward you. To me, yeah. that's an important thing. And that, to me, that will carry anyone through regardless. That actually sounds like something that I've heard come out of Gabe's mouth on uh, more than one occasion, <laughs> Gabe. No, absolutely. It sounds like for you, Lyndon, it was a very natural transition as well, having picked up those journalism skills and then being able to translate that to SEO, which fundamentally is about content, right? I mean, there's, we talk about the technical components, we talk about link building and local SEO, but first and foremost, if you're a search engine, you're going to want to reward really strong content because that's what people are looking for. And so if you understand what it is that people want to read and you're able to frame it in a way that is compelling and interesting and engaging, those skills transition really well to SEO. Was, was that your experience as well, Lyndon? Oh, it's spot on. That's exactly what happened. So when I started off at Vodafone, I was employed again as just a senior copywriter. Um, but what I said to the organization when I, when I started is I said, you can be using content strategically. There's two things you can primarily do with content, and that is drive online conversion and drive organic quality, quality organic traffic. And they went, oh, that's an interesting perspective. And I went, well, this is what, this is the power of content. Digital content, it's no longer just putting words on the page or, or um, just creating whatever. It's using the digital platform that you have available to you and maximizing it uh, to drive those online conversions. So when we started talking about content strategically, it was then the natural logical step to go, well, if you're going to use content strategically to, to drive organic traffic, why don't you just take on the responsibility for SEO also? It was a very logical and um, easy conversation. And that's how it all started. So I've been responsible for digital content and SEO at Vodafone for um, six and a half years now. Yeah. And while obviously I come from that content background, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have the technical knowledge also. You can't yeah. manage a, a brand like Vodafone and the sophistication of, of our digital assets without also understanding all the technical stuff. Mm -hmm. but where I go, um, oh, what about the HTML? I just go to the developer and they will support me and help me. But I do understand the technical side of SEO too. So I can yep. have that fully fledged conversation with the team and, and what's required. It's really interesting speaking to someone from an enterprise brand who is in charge of both because Gabe, I, I can think of like three or four clients off the top of my head, really big clients. And I can think of one particularly, I won't name the brand, but their content team literally sits in a different building to their SEO team. 
and we've dealt with them. And I remember just name dropping people thinking they knew each other. You know, so-and-so from SEO said this. And they were like, who said, what is he, does he work for you guys? Yeah. I'm like, no, he's, he's your colleague. <laughs> so what sort of advantages do you think it, it's, it brings you to um, in terms of being able to move the needle for a Vodafone's SEO being in charge of both of those? Oh, it, it, it's, it's essential. So when my team, so I manage the team of copywriters and we go, okay, so here's a new product. Here's a new campaign page. We then, as part of the creation of the digital content, my team will do the keyword research, see what people are searching for. And it's, it's part of the creation of the content. It's not a separate discipline. It's not, we don't have um, an SEO person coming to us saying, here's the keywords I want you to optimize for. It's the one person in my team that's producing that content and doing all the, the, the research around the keywords to start with. Um, and then it, what that means is you get to actually get a much more seamless execution of the content because the writer will be going, okay, so I need to think for the, our customers first and foremost, or these are the keywords that people are searching for. How do I ensure that these are weaved in naturally, but first and foremost, covering off what the requirements are for um, our customers? So there's an argument to be made or there's a, a viewpoint that, you know, the, the algorithm is getting more and more technical. You know, te the technical side of SEO in terms of you know, site structure and re removing friction for the bots and all those sort of things has made it a, a more technical, you know, solution than it was in the past. How do you feel coming from a content background, writing for, for user first, how does that fit in with the way that the algorithm has got more technical over time? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, although the algorithm is, is evolving and developing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you still change your approach. So yep. at, at the core of it, if you just write for your customers first and foremost, then that's what Google will reward you for. So it yep. doesn't matter whatever happens with the algorithm. You just need to stick to the uh, customers first and foremost. And that to me is the most important thing. Yeah. So I guess the algorithm is just getting better. Like the, the technical parts to it are just making it better at figuring out what the user wants. If you are already writing from a user first perspective, the algorithm is catching up to you rather than the other way around. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly yep. right. So just focus on what your customers want and yep. then Google will continue to reward it. Because at the end of the day, um, Google's business model is um, having a search engine and when a customer put various keywords in, that the most appropriate website comes up number one for what the, their users are looking for. So Google's business model is to ensure that their customers, as in anyone that uses Google, gets what the answer they're looking for as quickly as possible. So if you piggyback on, off and you ensure that then the content that we're producing matches against the Google business model, then at the end of the day, both Google will be happy, your customers will be happy, and your brand will be happy. Tell me about, if we can rewind again, back to your first 90 days in your role at Vodafone, what were some of the things that you did that you felt helped you settle into the role, like, you know, to get the lay of the land and and get a feel for how you can have an impact? Because there'll be lots of SEOs listening to this, I imagine, starting at a new agency or a new, a new brand. What, what sort of tips would you give them? Yeah, absolutely. My approach is don't necessarily go into a new role with a new company and go, I'm here to make change immediately. My, yep. my guidance will always be give yourself time to get the lay of the land, find out what's going on, use that time to absorb and ask the questions around, oh, I've noticed you're doing this. What's the logic and reason behind it? Oh, what's the background behind this particular element? Or what are you doing here? and just understand where the company's got to at that point 
because yep. nobody's perfect. No brand is perfect. And what, I, what I've observed is that there's always going to be reasons why certain decisions were made in the past, whether they're the right decisions or the wrong decisions, there's always going to be logic behind it. So it could be, oh, that was the guidance we got from that particular person or in that, in, in that scenario, we needed to make a compromise for that. So give yourself time to absorb and understand all that. And then once you're uh, fully um, uh, aware of the scenarios and the, the situation that you're now working with, my next guidance would be start off small. So identify one change you could make, circulate the idea and the logic behind why you believe that's a good thing, and then send it live and then wait for the results. Because what uh, at the end of the day, a lot of the, the work we do is, is across all the elements working with all the digital teams. So there's a degree of trust that needs to be built up as a result of working with, with the teams. So if you can circulate why you've done something, go live, deliver the results, and then people will go, oh, actually, maybe this person does, it has, is onto something here. Let's try something bigger and let's try something. What's the next thing we can then look at? And then over time, it's just that snowball effect. But start off small. Don't go big bang. Don't go, oh, my God, we need to <laughs> revolutionise. Yeah. It's like, because no, I, I don't think any company would really appreciate that unless that's the brief. Um, yep. It's just like start off small, show the results and move on to that next task. I like that. So just to summarize that, so you're getting the lay of the land, you're figuring out who the key stakeholders are across the other, potentially the other departments that are impacted by the work you're going to do. Looking for like a, you know, a small little project and getting some buy-in from that and then trying with that first rather than going and going, oh, this is all rubbish. Gabe, I can see you're nodding pretty Absolutely. Um, vigorously what, what's your thoughts on starting out new as an seo and you, in you get some clients that will give you full trust from the get-go and they'll go you know you're the expert run with it you tell us what to do and they'll sit back and take your recommendations but very often clients need to be won over right so it, whether you're working agency side or whether you're working within a business you need to demonstrate that there's value to what it is that you're proposing and before you can get that buy-in, starting small and getting some early wins on the board is the best way to go about it, right? So if you can go, well, let's, we, we want to develop content. Maybe we don't do it for an entire website. Maybe we select a specific category. Let's write for that category, give it some time to see the results. And then if you can tie the results back to the specific work that you've done and demonstrate, we did this and this is what it produced, then there might be that aha moment where they go, okay, I start to get it now. And then instead of working across one category, all of a sudden you can expand to a second and a third and a fourth. One thing, Lyndon, just to go back a moment that I'm really curious about, we spoke about content and how important it is to have a user-centric approach. So putting the user first, I'm keen to understand what that looks like for you. So when you're in the process of developing, say, a content strategy, is there some initial research that you'll do beforehand to kind of break down the different types of personas or you know the background of what a potential customer might look like the typical pain points or questions they might ask and if so what does that process look like yeah absolutely so for every product we do and um, every service we launch um, we do have a set of personas but also it's, it's, it's the questions that we would then ask with our product team and go well how you position this product how, how does it sit? How are we going to market with a particular product? And it's just understanding why we're launching a particular product. 
and matching it up to the persona and the target audience that we're actually approaching with the, with the launch of the product. And then we just put that all together. We do the, obviously the keyword research from the digital side to understand what people are searching for in relation to that particular product. And then we, we do have uh, our UX team doing user research and we've got the insights around from their side. So we just put it all together and then that, that then feeds into the ultimate creation of the content. And that, that's the value of being embedded, isn't it, within the business itself, is that you've got access to all those stakeholders. So you can be speaking to somebody in your marketing team who's developing the product and you can hear their vision for it. But you could also be speaking to maybe somebody on the sales room floor and they might have a different perspective on the, the benefits and features that are of interest to, to the end user. And then it's about using content as a vehicle to bring that to life. It's exactly it. That's spot on. And that's what we do. So we're obviously working in-house. We have access to ask any question of any person within the organization that we need to understand everything we need to be able to then produce effective content that drives online conversion. So my team and I, we're not afraid to ask the questions. We're not afraid to go, actually, why are we doing this? Or what's the logic behind this? Or, or what's the rationale? Or what's the insight you have that this, this product is going to be successful in the market? Um, and then once we understand that, then we can certainly create the content that's appropriate. It's really interesting. I'm, there's a guy in, who will probably get on one of these podcasts, Gabe, at some point, Gatano Donati in Florida. And I did another interview with him at one point, And I, I was asking him about, you know, what, what he considers his number one growth tactic. This is a while ago when growth hacking was a term we used to use. Number one growth hacking tactic for SEO. And it's similar to what you guys are saying now. Like he was, he's, one of his was actually listening to sales calls. He's like, he's got a big B2B sales team. He said they hear a lot of those like really fresh pain points that perhaps the search volume is not quite there yet. Perhaps the trends, everything else doesn't quite see, but they could listen to a couple of hours worth of sales calls and hear the same thing again and again and again and go, there's something here. This is what the customers are saying right now. And it's like you guys are saying, like you've got that access to the different resources within the business that have, whether it's product, whether it's sales, whatever else, not having an ego and letting that feed into how you can help impact the SEO is what I'm sort of gathering is, is good practice. Undoubtedly. I, I have that direct line with our, with our care team. Yep. Excellent. To go, yeah, this is, this is what we're getting. This is what's coming through. How yep. what can we do around this? How interesting. Okay, cool. That's really, that's really good to hear. Now, in terms of, I just want a, a quick question, just a bit of a left term, but zero click search results. What's your, th what's your thoughts on those, Lenny? Because lots of SEOs would be like, we, we want that traffic. Just bring it on. What do you think? Yeah. So from my side, uh, I come from that copywriting background, come from that UX copywriting background. Uh, the premise that I will always have is we want our customers to get the answer that they're looking for as seamlessly and as quickly as possible. Yep. If that means the answer to their question is on the Google search results page, then why do they need to click through to our website to get the answer? They've gone to Google, they've put question into Google, Google is then displaying the answer in the, in the search results page, whether it's in a feature snippet or whether it's in an FAQ schema. If that's it, if that's the entire answer to the question that the customer needs, what's the point of having them to click through to our website? So from my UX background and my copywriting background, I, I champion zero clicks. I think yep. they're a fantastic initiative with Google. And again, Google loves it. So Google, Google is obviously Google's more moving more and more and more to keeping people on their website and not clicking through to anyone else's website. But at the end of the day, where is where really is the problem in that? Obviously, you, you can't convert or can't buy any of our products on Google quite yet. But 
and at that point you can click through the website, but it definitely serves a purpose. And it, to me, it's something that we should be encouraging. Gabe, what's your thoughts on zero click? I think that makes a lot of sense. I think where people maybe get a little bit frightened by the concept of zero click is, is Google actually moving into my territory, right? Are they going to be able to repurpose my content and take my products and maybe create some kind of aggregator, which they've kind of done in the accommodation space and also in the job space. So if you're in one of those industries and say you've got an accommodation booking website and somebody's searching accommodation bar and bay, and all of a sudden there's literally a list of all these different hotels and, and, and motels and whatever else is in bar and bay, and you can actually book from the Google screen itself. Well, that's detracting from, you know, your ability to then generate that traffic through to your own website and then obviously earn a commission. So I can see, I can see where people would get a little bit uncomfortable and say, back off Google, you know, you're a search engine. You shouldn't be actually moving into, into this industry or into my area and compromising my business. But if we're just talking about Google as basically being a vehicle for providing people with answers that they need, and if that can be done in a feature snippet and an FAQ, and that's all your customer needs, then absolutely, why not? Like you have resolved their pain point and you've removed that friction for them so that they can go on and do what it is that they need to do. So whether they go through to your website and get the answer, whether they get the answer from Google, ultimately, if your core goal is to give the answers that your customers need and inform them and educate them, then job completed. I guess the challenge might be in understanding whether that's occurred, right? Because you won't know whether the customers walked away satisfied or whether the query, the information that they received didn't resolve the query. Maybe they abandoned search. Like you kind of have no way necessarily of knowing that for certain. But at the same time, if you can get a feature snippet or you can get an FAQ, like don't be deterred by the idea that somebody might get their answer in the SERP and then disappear. That's okay. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, my, my um, view would be, so provide an answer in the SERP. If a customer wants more information, the link is still there. They can still yeah. click through. So nothing's preventing them or stopping them from doing that. So let them let them engage with a SERP result and go, oh yeah, that answers my question. Or actually that doesn't answer my question. I need more information. Then they just click through anyway. So, yeah. um, and then the information's there and fully fledged if a customer then wants to get their question resolved on, on our website. And there's, I guess there's also an argument to be made that, you know, as digital marketers, we're, we're all kind of, we're obsessed with measuring everything of like, you know, get, being able to attribute every, every piece of action with, you know, with a, an interaction from a customer, which is obviously what we do. And that's how we measure our value in our roles. But if you think about those, those zero click results and, you know, the user getting what they need, your brand getting, it's almost like a, I just feel like there's a brand building piece to this that doesn't always need to be measured. You know, podcasts, for example, like measuring the success of a podcast. There's lots of stuff out there that you can do that builds in your, 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 build, your brand awareness and the equity in your brand that doesn't necessarily let you get a click through or some kind of measurement on it. So, you know, by that sort of logic, then the more of those snippets that you're getting, the more of those pieces of your content on the search page that are showing, you know, the more brand awareness you're getting out there. You know? Yes. And, and in my mind, this is positive brand awareness. So if someone is looking for an answer and then using, say, a brand keyword, so they're looking for a specific answer from the, the service provider, that in, this, in my case, is obviously mobile phones, 
um, and they include Vodafone as part of the, the keywords, and they see that as either a feature snippet or an FAQ on the SERP result page, and they go, oh yeah, that's answered my question. That's good brand awareness because A, it saved them then a click through to your website. So they will then have, they will go, oh, wasn't it Vodafone fantastic? I got the result from Google and it answered all my questions. And that, that's a positive impression that I now have, even though I didn't engage directly with our asset, um, by default, they're still engaging with the answer on the Google side rather than the Vodafone side. So that's good brand awareness and that's positive NPS for us. What do you see, if we're talking to, to up and coming SEOs again, what do you see as like a, like a real key to personal development? Like what do you do to keep on top of your game and to, to make sure that whatever's happening in 2022 and beyond, you're, you know, you've got some sort of foresight as to what's coming? Oh, absolutely. Um, as we know, Google keeps changing and the whole concept of SEO keeps evolving and developing. It's so essential to follow people on LinkedIn, follow people on, on Facebook to see what they're saying and what they're talking about. Yep. Read lots of blog articles, don't stop reading, don't stop engaging with the content out there around what other people are talking about. It's so important. And then- could I just Could I ask just before you go forward, who, who do you follow? Like two or three names. If you see a piece of their content, you're like- he's always on, I've got, I've got to read this. Or I really disagree with what she says most of the time, but I want to read it anyway. Um, I'd, I'd love to answer that question, but for the sake of keeping um, all my friends <laughs> as, as friends, let's, yeah. let's <laughs> go down the route of naming individuals. Um, okay. I, try, I try to follow as many people as possible, but obviously I respect their opinion on. But to me, it's around, yeah, reading as much as possible, engaging with what people are talking about. But also one of the four, those are the core fundamentals for me with SEO is the trial and error approach. So don't be afraid to try something see if it works or not. If it doesn't work, go back to Google and go, well, what happened here? What did what, what went wrong? And then try something else. And so it's always that approach of, of don't stop learning and growing just by doing and don't get disheartened if it doesn't work. Because most of the time it might not work, but you just tweak something and it will work and, or you do something else. Gabe, anything to add there, like in terms of sort of personal development and, and how you keep ahead of the game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough in SEO because things are moving so quickly. So the, the personally, the thing that I find helps me most is Twitter. Oh. There's so many good SEOs on Twitter these days and people are so generous in terms of sharing information. Like I find that SEOs, we, we find something and rather than keeping it to ourselves, we get excited about sharing it with others. Like, hey, you've seen this and this is what I've noticed and this is what I'm thinking. What's everyone else yeah. thinking about it? We kind of like to nerd out a little bit. So there's, I feel like Gabe, there's also like a, I'm a massive NBA fan, as you know, and in the NBA, there's Woz and there's Shea Serrano, and they're always the first one to get the big stories first. And I feel like there's a bit of that in, in Twitter with SEOs as well. It's like, have you seen this? We'll see what's happening now. Like to, that kind of, you know, getting, getting their, their there, hooks there in. There are literally some SEOs who like to find the new change to the search, yeah. something like super minute. I don't even know yeah. how they notice it. And like, has anyone seen this feature before or this new <laughs> yeah. thing? Is this new? And if you can get in first, it's like a feather in your cap. If, if it's been around for like 12 months, then people will just laugh at you because <laughs> they're like, well, oh, come on, mate. Try yeah. a little harder next time. Uh, but um, there's definitely a lot of really, really talented SEOs out there um, because everyone's in SEO. The funny thing is no one knows things for certain, right? Yeah. There's so much trial and error and observation and hypothesis going on. So people kind of love to debate it and talk about it and throw ideas out there and test new things and then explore it and discuss it with others. And so it's such a great resource. If, you, if you're on Twitter, 
the best thing you can do is just find a list of the top SEOs and literally just start adding them all. And they'll, it will just naturally come up in your feed. You check in, you know, they'll talk about a new article or a new idea, a new concept. If that interests you, great, read more about it. If it doesn't, you just skim through to the next one. Another new tool, and I have to check this out for you, Russ, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it will yeah. basically, uh, if you sign up, it will give you a digest of all of the top SEOs on Twitter and just recent posts that they've made and deliver it straight to your inbox. Ah, cool. So you don't even necessarily need to sign up these days. Like there's smart people working on tools like that that make it super easy for you to keep up to date. Hey, Lyndon, I've just got one more question and then we're going to run into our, uh, our quick fire Vox Pop. Which, which Gabe's going to run you through. But my last one is just around your favorite non-obvious software tools that you use every day to research and, and to execute. I, ha I had this question in advance. So I thought, well, what, what, what is going to be something that's non-obvious? What yeah. I come up with might sound obvious. It's Teams. Because to me, being able to communicate and chat through ideas with others is the most invaluable tool that we have. So obviously I use SEMrush, I use Google Keyword Planner, like we, we've got all of that. But yep. at the end of the day, you want to just talk through your ideas and go, look, if we did this, what do we think? Do we think this is going to work? Um, here's the logic behind it. Here's the rationale. What do, we, what do you think? So we have those conversations with my team or with the developers or with the producers. Um, so we get the buy-in and it's a collaborative effort. So to yep. me, communication tools like Teams and Zoom is yep. so important. Are you guys fully, you're fully remote now. Have you been fully remote? Like, has there been a time when you've been all in the office together? I'm curious about whether the collaboration is any different to what it was before when you're actually sitting potentially near each other. Yeah, absolutely. So Vodafone, we have flexible working and we've had flexible working for quite a few years now. Yep. Um, so obviously when we're in lockdown, we're all working from home. Um, yep. But when we're out of lockdown, we have the option of working for the office or working from home. Mm -hmm. So what, what I found is obviously I prefer that face-to-face, -face, those face-to-face -face conversations. But obviously we've got all the communications tools like Teams that we can use to continue that collaboration. Do you feel that this is, sorry, question without notice, but this is something that's really playing on my mind at the moment. And I'm keen for your thoughts as well, Gabe. Just on like the ability for spontaneous collaboration when you have to book in a time. Sometimes it's to ask one question, you just need to get it out. Whereas, you know, if you're in the office together, you have that bump into them. Oh, that's right, I have to ask you about that or that. What are some ways that we can, we can help encourage spontaneous collaboration when we're all remote? Um, that's a genuine question. I'm curious if you've got any ideas. Oh, so what I do is obviously um, questions come up during the day. If I, I'll either send it through via Teams or we use Slack too. Otherwise, I just get on the call and just call, call um, our colleagues and go, yeah. what do we think about this? So I go, in Teams, I check if they're green to make sure that they're not in a meeting. Um, and yep. if they're green, I just, I'm not afraid to just call them and go, can we chat about this? So obviously we can put in a big meeting if there's more people involved and it's a formal yep. discussion, but if it's just a random thought, as I like, well, what do you think about that? Like, I, I don't hold back and my team doesn't hold back. Yeah, good. Gabe, anything to add there? I'm much, I'm much the same way, except I'll use Slack. So I'll, I'll just direct message somebody or put it on a channel because I know that I've, I've got so many different things in my head and so many different clients and projects and I might lose track of it. So I just want to get it out, get it on paper. So yeah. the question's there. They don't need to respond immediately. If they're working on something, that's cool. When they get around to it, they can respond and let me know their thoughts. But basically just, just pop them a quick question or a quick comment on a direct message. These days we've kind of shifted everything, haven't we, over to Slack and Zoom and Meets and so on. And yep, it's kind of yep. the new way of doing things. 
I think it probably wouldn't even be that much different for me, to be honest, if I was in the office, especially given how big our office is now, Russ. Uh, it's kind of yeah. a bit of a hike to get from one end to the other. So I've yeah. become accustomed just to typing things on the computer. And it's a, it's a bit nerdy, isn't it, to, to be slacking somebody who's only maybe a few <laughs> metres away from you. But uh, I've definitely yeah. fallen into that habit. All right. Well, Gabe, it's time for you to do our SEO Vox Pop. So how this works, Lyndon, he's going to fire some questions at you. Pretty quick fire. You only get, you know, maybe three seconds or so maximum to answer each one. So just first thing that pops into your head. Gabe, I'll, I'll throw it to you. All right, let's go. Quick fire, all right? This is the, this is the challenge, Lyndon. You're on the spot now. All right, let's fire away. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? Um, none of them. If, you, if, you, if an algo change is keeping you up at night, you don't have work-life balance. <laughs> and you should probably see a therapist. All right. Yes. Gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? Um, I think it's obvious content. <laughs> yes. What's the most effective link building technique you've used? Most effective is uh, strategizing. So you go from X to Y, Y to Z, Z to A. So you map it all out. So it's a full journey. So you've got all the links lined up and you know where they're all flowing through. Skyscraper technique, is that still relevant today? It depends. <laughs> the classic SEO answer. <laughs> in some situations, yes. But in other situations, again, if you do it naturally and organically, it renders the whole technique redundant. All right. What do you love most about SEO? Oh, I'm um, seeing the results. So there's so much trial and error that, that goes into everything. And it's just at the end of the day, you go through all this heart, heartbreak and you go, oh, if I, like, well, if I do this, what happens? If I do that, what happens? But then when it actually works, you go, oh, that's why it's worth it. Awesome. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Yeah, it actually flows on for my previous answer. So my life, I, I see my life as trial and error in the same way as I see my work as trial and error. So in life, you go, oh, let me try this. Maybe this will work. And then you go, oh, there, that worked. I will continue doing that. Or it goes, actually, that, <laughs> did, that didn't work. Let me stop doing that or let me pivot. So I see life as trial and error. And so too do I see the application of SEO as being trial and error. I like that answer. Work from home life or office life or hybrid? Hybrid. I like the um, option of either working from the office or working from home. So do I. I reckon that's the best thing that, kind of uh, we've got out of this whole crazy pandemic situation is that businesses are now a little bit more open to flexible working hours. Definitely. All right, cool. Next one. SEMrush, Ahrefs or Moz, or maybe another tool? Uh, SEMrush. Um, if, I, if I do a plug for SEMrush, the, new, the um, 2021 SEMrush Australian Awards are coming up soon. I'm a, I'm a judge. As oh. Previous, previous years. So if you've got anything that you want to award-winning um, projects you've been working on, don't hesitate to enter. That's awesome. We will be entering and look out for our nominations. Uh, agency, in-house or combo? A uh, combination. So there's stuff that you can do in-house that, that works and is more suited to in-house. There's stuff where an agency can then support, um, which is then more suited to an agency. So to me, it's using um, the uh, benefits of both in the right way. Awesome. You did great. Hey, Russ, can I sneak in an off-the-cuff question that Go I have bubbling around in my head? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know, if I can ask, reporting is such a big piece to SEO, right? It's an, the justification piece you spoke about earlier of getting the buy-in, getting people on board with your ideas and, and things like that. 
is there something that you do in order to like something novel about your reporting process? Like, do you use a particular tool? Are there particular metrics or KPIs that you tend to focus on in trying to bring out that story and demonstrate the success, sorry, the success you've achieved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my answer is going to be a little bit left field. My big thing with reporting is I don't report week on week. I don't report month on month. I do it a quarter on quarter because as we know with SEO, you, don't, you may not see uh, trends overnight, it takes time. So what I don't do is I start go back to um, the business and go, oh, look, look, look what we did from last week to this week. I, I make a really key point to go, we're, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it for the, you're investing for, the, for uh, over quarters and over years. So don't be, don't, ask me to go, oh, actually, what happened to SEO this month versus last month? It's like nothing, nothing happened. You, you, need to, you need to wait and give it time to build up. And then over years and years and years, that's you when you see the result. And that's why I started Vodafone. So six and a half years in, I'm going, I'm here for the long haul. This is my commitment to stay for the long haul to see what we can do over years and years and years. Love it. Awesome. Lyndon, thank you so much. Great podcast, great conversation. So We've been chatting. This is SEO success stories. We've been talking to Lyndon Barnett, SEO and content manager at Vodafone. He's given some, some golden nuggets around his own career, around how to you know, navigate a career yourself. That We talked lots about you know, that content background and how that actually is you know, almost like a superpower for you now as the, as the algorithm is getting better at serving better content. So having that user focus first with your content. And you know, we've had a great conversation about all stuff content, technical and SEO. Lyndon, thanks so much for your, for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks so much for um, inviting me. No worries at all. So that's been SEO Success Stories. Uh, we are in season one, 12 episodes in this season. If you're enjoying it, as I said at the start, please jump online, give us a five-star review. If you'd like to get in touch with Lyndon, is there, what's the best way to get in touch with you if anyone's heard this and is keen to pick your brain on anything? Oh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn, same for myself and for Gabe as well. So just I'll pop in the, in the show notes all of our LinkedIn profiles. Otherwise, obviously, you can catch us at impressivedigital.com or impressive.com.au in Australia. Thank you so much, Lyndon. Gabe, love your work. Good job. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Thank you. Take care. Bye.